Were you on the beach at Bournemouth, Matt? Was that why everyone was there? Let's, let's just sack off the Zoom meeting, Matt. Okay. We all know what each other look like now. <laughs> we do indeed. It's nice to meet you. I'm Hoggy. I'm the one with the good hair. Hey, that's enough. <laughs> I've had my hair cut. I thought I was looking pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> How's it been down the road, Matt? Are you, uh, are you, are you nearly normality now? Nearing it. Nearing it. So I've been coaching for, what, about eight weeks now? Played two weekends of cricket. And, yeah. Uh, if you go down the beach or go into town, it's normal pretty much. Social distancing's kind of gone down. What's it like up there? Pretty similar up here as well, to be fair. Like all the pubs and stuff are back open, so I think that's just a license for people to sort of get back to doing their normal thing. Exactly that, exactly. It's gone down here. Were you on the beach at Bournemouth, Matt? Was that why everyone was there? Uh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't, but Bournemouth's not too far away. But yeah, that was like, that was a nightmare. That got bad rap, that did. That was a shocker, wasn't it? I had a couple of friends that went down there. Brighton must have been busy as well, though, surely, no? Yeah, it was, it was. But Bournemouth, I don't know why everyone just seems to go there, because it's sandy. Sandy beaches in Brighton, some stones. So people just flock yeah. along to Bournemouth. It's only about an hour, an hour and 15-minute drive. So people, yep. about an hour on the train, an hour and a half. I was going to say, yeah, it's actually further than I thought. Other side of Southampton? Or am I talking gar- garbage there? Or uh, further west than Southampton, yeah. Because we, um, we were looking at football derbies for Brighton. Yeah. And uh, I thought I thought Bournemouth would have been the closest, but Pompey, isn't it? Yeah, or Crystal Palace. Ah, uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I don't know if you've uh, if you've watched uh, watched. Wow, don't know if you've listened to any of the pods, mate. But we usually start with uh, these power play questions, which are kind of like a like a coin toss. Um, so I'll I'll start us off, mate. Okay, cool. So red red ball or white ball? White ball. White ball. Hmm. Hoggy's a white ball man. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, are we gonna are we gonna do this? So, these things turned out to be like quick fire questions, Matt. But we just find ourselves just asking more questions off the back <laughs> of the answers. That's fine. But white ball, that's that probably suits you a bit more, does it not? Yeah. Even though you've got a good first class record, but yeah, four day cricket gets boring after about the second day, doesn't it? If we're being honest, <laughs> you field for a day, you bat for a day, and then you go stand around. Yeah. Especially if you don't bowl like me, white ball definitely. I was going to say, you bowled a bit for Scotland though. Yeah, I was in white ball cricket though. I only bowled once in a four first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I didn't have much interest in four day cricket. Well, I did, but I didn't even get any wicket. Got, I got one first class wicket, and that was for Scotland against Australia A before the Ashes. Last ball of my class. 16 overs in, I threw the ball. Stop Ashton A. Only. <laughs> I got, and then a week later, you got 99 in that test match, or 98. Um, That's right. Yeah. Brilliant. You actually threw one at him. Right, yeah, well, around the wicket, I had a straight arm. It's probably like bent, right, properly bent. Like, it looked like, if you slowed it down, I threw it. So, yeah, my first class <laughs> wicket wasn't a, technically a legitimate delivery. But <laughs> when you've gone for about 450 and about 75 overs, anything kind of goes. <laughs> I remember that game. It was at Grange, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was over in two and a half days or three days and they got about 700 runs. Peter Siddle got 100 playing at number 10. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable stuff. No wonder it doesn't help when Scotsmen go over to Australia and get abused, like if Peter Siddle's hitting tons against you. Uh, Peter Siddle's only first-class 100 came against Scotland at the Grange. 
that. Did you say you bowled 16 overs? Yeah, it must have been 15. It felt like 16. It, must have, it might have been 10. <laughs> <laughs> that is quality. Ah, sorry, I've lost the questions. Right, here we go. Right, beat Palace home and away, but Brighton get relegated, or lose to Palace home and away, but Palace get relegated. Palace get relegated. Nice. You'd rather get beat by them twice, but see them go down. Without a doubt. I'd love to see Palace in the Champions League. Where's that needle come from, Matt? Is it is it like close on the motorway or something? Yeah, it's the closest. It's only about thirty five minutes from Brighton to Croydon on the train. Ah, um, so it's not too far at all. And then I think maybe like twenty twenty five years ago there was some needle for a game on Boxing Day. Right. Um, I think they came down and smashed up all the Brighton clubs. I don't know the ins and outs of it. And ever since then it's been a proper derby. Um. And then a couple of years ago at Brighton, um, there's a big uh, mural on the wall in town of the Captain Bruno. They came down in the middle of the night, vandalised all that, vandalised the stadium. Um, yeah, they had to get escorted into the ground. And then uh, as they got into the ground, they then pushed all the fire exit opens and then all the Palace fans ran into the away end. So I think the away end holds like two and a half, three thousand that game. I was about four or five thousand in there. It's mental. second podcast in a row he's used that gag so <laughs> village oh, right turn with a bat Matt or Pfeiffer with a ball turn with a bat good call fair Matt overseas gun or an overseas coach overseas overseas gun nice that is the majority we've had had a few in your time like back in your kind of club cricket days yeah um had a few club cricket wise. Had Rusty Theron, um, who mm. for South Africa and in the IPL. He came over for about three or four years to my local club, Brighton and Hove, when he was about I think nineteen to about twenty-two. Absolute crap. And then he went back and played for South Africa like six to twelve months later after his last spell. So yeah, club cricket wise, definitely yeah, he'll be the best one I played with. Yeah, he plays for the USA, doesn't he? Yeah, he plays for the USA. Now, actually, I was in. Um, I played club cricket in Melbourne one year. Yeah, I was about. 
yeah. uh, nine years ago now for Danny Long. First game I get there, oh, I've got James Patterson, Darren Patterson and Pete Siddle in my team, bowling. Nice. Yeah, I was like, wow, welcome to club cricket in Australia. And then um, on the opposition, I had Dave Hussey batting at four and Chris Rogers batting at three for them. And there's been like 19, 20, straight, out of, straight off the plane three days before. I was like, wow, this is club cricket in Australia. So, yeah, they're probably, club-wise, the best players I've played on the club game, yeah. Superb. You've picked the right team to play for there. You don't want to be on Chris Rogers' team with the two Pattinson boys and Siddle bowling at you. That's wild. Well, luckily, the Pattinson was on my side, so that was all right. Although I bet Nets might have been interesting, would it? <laughs> it was, yeah, they rocked up a couple of times, but they bowled off like five steps, so it wasn't too bad. What a fresh, a nice fresh green wicket that the grounds were prepared. Still felt like it was coming <laughs> an hour. <laughs> right. Hove or Grange, Matt? Grange. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I had better memories at the Grange. Absolutely. Although I played, although I played a lot at Hove for Sussex, playing against international teams at the Grange and things like that, and just yeah, love love going up to Scotland and yeah, brilliant. Grange is awesome. One of my best. One I reckon one of the nicest grounds in the world to play as well. Great show. Yeah, picturesque. Yeah, lovely. lovely. Beautiful on a sunny day. Good value for runs as well, I suppose, at Grange. It's not one of the bigger kind of international grounds either, is it? No, and and even when you got a crowd in there, it felt like there was a lot more people because it felt like they're on top of you. So the atmosphere was always pretty decent as well. And the wicket wasn't really like, yep. quick, quick. It's quite slow. So when you face like a quick bowler, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't kind of shit yourself, really. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was, it was just a nice ground. It was, it was lovely. I loved it. Uh, tomato sauce in the fridge or tomato sauce in the cupboard? Cupboard. Cupboard? Mate. Oh. Yeah. It's just, I suppose it's just how you're raised, isn't it? Yeah, my missus. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad have it in the cupboard then. Yeah, my missus. Anime, she always puts it in the fridge, but I leave it in the cupboard. I don't know why. It is how you raise, isn't it? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> right. A look right T20 hundred or a Murray Goodwin County Champ hundred. Luke right hundred T20 hundred. Nice. Oh. Entertainment, isn't it? Friday night at home, crowds in. Yeah, definitely. Fireworks. <laughs> yeah. Slazenger or SS? Oh, SS. <laughs> SS. Yeah. Yeah. Got better kit from SS. Although, actually, with Slazenger, I did get some nice perks from them when I was with them. Yeah. Because um, Slazenger were owned by Sports Direct. Well, they still are, but they're owned by Sports Direct. So, right, yeah. I was with them uh, before they stopped doing sort of cricket kit for pros. They had they gave me like loads of like squash rackets, tennis rackets, um, golf clubs, everything. The best company I've had. Super. In terms of, like, kit like that. Looked after you. Mike Ashley looked after you. He looked after me. Yeah. yeah, he did all right. <laughs> He's still wearing the still wearing the Donny socks that they give you. Now the Everlast ones, mate. <laughs> still white <laughs> tracksuit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is a that's a good perk from Slazenger. Fair play. Well, yeah, but yeah, as I said, they don't sponsor anyone now. I don't think so. Nah, I'm not sure. Right, Costa part time seamers or cloudy part time offies. Costa, without a doubt. Cloudy won't tell, stop telling you about it if you've got a wicket. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mate, I remember I remember turning on the, I don't know if it was the World Cup qualifiers or 2020 qualifiers, turn it on and Cloudy was bowling. Oh. <laughs> it was nearly a double bouncer down leg at the boys like, oh. fucking slapped past 45 for four. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate village cricket like on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, if he gets a wicket, about it, will he? <laughs> True. 
Did you play against Cloudy much when he bowled seamers? No, I I started. I knew Cloudy through Scotland when he started to become a batter. So I didn't. Ah, okay. I've never ever bowled seamers. No, he used to bowl a heavy ball back in the day when he was at Warwickshire growing up. Yeah, I heard that. He used to work quite quick, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did, yeah. Big. And it was like, there was there was very much 15 degrees plus. So you couldn't really <laughs> see it. <laughs> to be fair to him, though, from starting his professional career as a bowler to now ending it as, uh, as what he's doing with a oh. fair play to him. Well, like, oh, frightening. So good. Yeah. Brilliant transition, isn't it? Really is. No wonder he... Like you've got people that <clears throat> that have batted and perhaps altered their style or different kind of technique throughout their career, but to go from like a, a batting at legs and bow and to batting at three for your country, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Right, here's one for you, mate. It's room with Leesky or Leesky slapping one back at you. Uh, Leesky slapping one back at me. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. No chance streaming with him. <laughs> Right, an ODI or a T20? Oh, ODI. Nice. nice. ODI. Yeah, anything can happen in 20 overs. ODI, the best team wins. Exactly that. I mean, it encompasses all, all aspects of cricket as well, doesn't it? You know, you bowl well, you've got a chance to get wickets and you bat. So, yeah, ODI. Marlborough Red or Marlborough Menthol? Marlborough Menthol. <laughs> right, this is, more, this is linked to your uh, Zencaster name, Matt. So, Peter Boren or Niall O'Brien? <laughs> Peter Boren. <laughs> we just got we just got told that you had a couple of run-ins with him. So yeah, I had a couple of run-ins with him. The thing is with Peter, he's very competitive as I was, but yeah. he would always go for a beer after with you, which kind of made up for him oh, in yeah. the field. That's good. Whereas now yeah. just we just talk talking to death most of the time. So yeah, I try to. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I was looking for your stats and. Uh... You were definitely a thorn in the side of the Dutch. You seem to do very well in most games against them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't, just I think you just sometimes you have teams that you just do well against. I don't know why. Didn't deliberately try any harder. It just I guess happened like that. I guess. Yeah, took a liking to some of their bowling. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I did. I probably probably suited my style of play. They had quite a few slower spinners and mix-up bowlers, which where I was batting sort of the middle over probably helped a bit. I guess especially in T Twenty. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. I would. Playing against the Dutch was always good because they were always very competitive, um, and they yeah. had a good side. And it was well led by Peter Boren actually. So, um, yeah. Uh, big Bozza. He's a. He's a nice guy. <laughs> would you say there was any more needle in the kind of international stuff in comparison to your time in Sussex? Yeah, I would. I think there's more on the line, so people are more they're, they're up for it more, and there's less games. Whereas, yeah. county cricket. Don't get me wrong. I love playing county cricket and playing for my home county and stuff. But because there's so many games, you kind of lose the edge on it a little bit at times. So mm-hmm. you're games are dead rubbers. When you're playing for Scotland, obviously playing for your country and associate cricket, there's always something on it. There's always points to be played for. There's always rankings or everything to be played for. Um, so, yeah, there's probably a bit more needle just because of that. It's more competitive. There's never a dead rubber, really. Even if it is a yeah. in a competition, you lose, you're not going to get as many points to the ICC rankings, which helps. So, you know, yeah, definitely more more needling. Yeah, I remember Preston. I remember there was kind of famous Preston Walmsley interview where he uh, talked about every game means something uh, when you when you're playing international stuff, and that's kind of what you've touched on there. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt, there's always something to play for, and just to win 
Okay, and it's pint sesh or nip sesh. Say that again. The nips are like spirits. Pint. What's uh, what's the usual pint for you down at Brighton Hall CC? Do you like a San Miguel actually at the moment? Oh, quality um, beer. Yeah, um, usuals really. Rony, whatever, whatever, really. Um, it's not really an ale drinker, mainly a pint man. But yeah, that's some good. As long as it's cold and wet. Exactly that. Exactly that. <laughs> Right, warm up football or warm up rugby? Yeah, football, <laughs> football. Yeah, yeah, football, football. Without a doubt. Have you ever been uh, press ganged into a team to warm up rugby? Did, that didn't happen in Melbourne, did it? No, it, uh, no, it was football in Melbourne actually. Um, yeah, no, a couple of games of rugby um, early on in my career, uh, but that got abolished quite a lot because with rugby, you either get it or you don't. So half the team get it and half the team don't. Um, yeah, yeah. Football was quite easy, so yeah, definitely football. See, when you went to uh, Melbourne, Matt, I take it you were like by far the best footballer in that in that mob. Yeah, I, I felt I felt like Ronaldo playing in Australia. Felt like a soccer <laughs> team, whatever. The Australian league. They're like, oh, you should you should play for this team. It's like, mate, I'm absolutely best <laughs> to everyone in the UK. You must have you must have felt like Messi and the Scotland team as well, though, nah. There's a few non-footballers yeah, in there. There are a few, aren't there? Um, yeah, I felt all right. I like I could hold my own. In that. <laughs> okay, rain card or early night? Rain card. Ooh, like it. Good quick answer there. Why? Most most people said um, early night. Yeah, the, the liars do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. Oh, I always liked a good social rain cards on a few occasions. Nice. That got played, but it was only when it was like a dead cert. Fair. Shugolium. Is it? Or is it me? Shugolium. Ah, pish. (laughs) Sussex win the T20 Blast or Brighton win the FA Cup? Sussex T20 Blast. Cha. Nice. When was the last time Brighton won anything? Years ago, but Sussex haven't won anything for a while either. So I had to pick one of them. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, Brian went to the FA Cup against Man City last year. So I went to that at Wembley. It was a good day. They lost 1 0. Tight, tight. Do you do you still go every week? Yeah, I try to. To Brighton. Yeah, I try, Matt. I try to as much as I can. So, like a season ticket? Yeah, I've got a season ticket. Um, nice. Yes, yeah, so I've been going for about four or five years now. For five, six, yeah, about five years, I think. Um, so I've got a season ticket and go as much as I can. But in the summer, it's a bit difficult with coaching commitments and other things. But in the winter, I try and go as much. Yeah. And yeah, I wouldn't give it up at the moment because season tickets now are so hard to get at Brighton because they're in the Premier League. Um, it's just, yeah. You know, it's just no point giving it up. Who takes your ticket when you can't go? So basically, I just give it to a mate um, and he yeah. either sells it on to another friend or just give it away, really. But there's about six or seven of us that go regularly that are all friends. I mean, yeah. sit like, near each other or next to each other. So just give it to a mate that's friendly with that group and yeah, usually just give them a good day out, really. Do you go away? Uh, mainly to the London games. When they're in the championship, I used to go away a bit more. Um, but the last yeah. last two years in the Premier League has been quite hard because it's still done on point system with how many times you've been away. Uh, okay. It's hard to get tickets for away games. So like the good away game, it's hard to get tickets. Yeah. You know, like Bournemouth's great away day, but Bournemouth only holds like fifteen hundred people. So yeah, trying to get tickets, it's a nightmare. And um, championship was a lot easier. There's a lot more London games. So, like, I had some great days. I went up to Newcastle for the weekend and watched them there. And Oh, superb. Yeah, so I made a weekend of it, and you could easily get a ticket. But now, yeah. first year, I couldn't get a ticket from Newcastle because it was sold out. So, um, people just go out for the weekend and make a weekend of it. But, yeah, no, I try and go as much as I can, really. Class. Brilliant, mate. Uh, tribe yoga 
or the sport yoga? Oh, I got that question wrong, Liam. Oh, apologies. Tribe yoga or the sport yogi? <laughs> the sport yogi, because I know him. <laughs> so I used to play with Lou. I've listened to a few of his podcasts, some interesting ones. The one with um, Cam Bancroft's pretty interesting. Yeah, he's done some good ones, hasn't he? Um, yeah. I've been Lewis since I was about 14, 13, 14, playing age group cricket with him. He was a year above me. Um, and then he got injured a year before me, actually. Um, so I, I sort of you know, stayed quite friendly with him because of that. And I've just, I just know his brother well as well. But yeah, um, yeah, he's got some interesting stuff. Some interesting stuff, some interesting videos, I'll be honest with you. Um, but yeah, um, fair play to him. Totally. Right. Brighton win at Celtic Park. Or a Brighton win at Ibrox. Celtic. Good man. <laughs> oh, no. Well, yeah, because it just means Celtic are miles better than Rangers. Do you want to beat Celtic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, night out in Brighton or a night out in Baristi? <laughs> Liam, are your eyes painted on? <laughs> oh, is that wrong? Why? Baristi, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Baristi. What a place. What a place on the sand. Oh, what a spot. Right, this is the last question, Matt. This is a big one. (laughs) Take a game for the MCC or a weekend in the garden centre with the missus. Take a game for the MCC. Game for the MCC. Oh. 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 That's been a good 20-minute chat, Matt. Have a nice night. A game for the MCC. Take missus the garden centre. At Lords, you get a MCC blazer, you get an MCC tie, you get obviously a full spread. It's a timed game, obviously. Yeah. And then you, you get to go for a few pints with the boys afterwards, or you get to go to Dobby's for a little look around the plant pots. You get lunch at Dobby's cafe, and then you have to go and like lug like five wheelbarrows of soil in the back of your car. Uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going MCC. He's got pints with the boys after. <laughs> I uh, hope the San Miguel's warm. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you feel yeah, top stuff, Matt. Top stuff. Uh, right, we'll talk about cricket now, mate. Um, mate, it's left left hand bat, right arm office. Where is this coming from? Where did that happen? I have no idea, actually. Um, I'm weirdly bottom half of my body. I'm left side dominant. Top half of my body, I'm right yeah. side dominant. So when I was younger, I just picked up a cricket bat held it left-handed but batted like yeah. right-hander the coach just switched me around and stayed like that ever since so yeah Hoggy you're the same Hoggy's another one he's a left bat right arm bowler what, what was your story? I think that's just more natural your top hand's a strong hand is it not? Yeah I, I can't yeah. think of many like like left left hand top order batters that are left-handed that right left-handed I can't think of any Right okay or, I mean I don't know maybe Alistair Cook and Alistair Schrouther Alistair Strauss <laughs> What's his name again? Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, yeah. Maybe that. Maybe they're both left-handed, but I'm just thinking of left-handers that I can think of. Who's that? Cook's left-handed. Cook's right-handed. Ah, okay, so Strauss is a genuine lefty. No, Cook is. Cook's genuine. Strauss is a. He's the odd one out. All right. Okay. <laughs> of all Fair the point. of all the class left-handed top-order batters that you just named, like Machen, Cook, Strauss, Parker, all the good ones. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, a shocker. That is a shocker. <laughs> um, got you joining Suffolk in 2006, Matt. Aged, was that what was that? 15 year old? Was that you kind of picked up from club cricket and 
take it into the academy at that age? Yeah, pretty much. So I played age three cricket before that, and then I um, yeah, got picked up or picked up in the academy at 15. Got involved with sort of the academy and sort of a bit of second team cricket at 16, 17, and went from there, really. That was the very first time I came across you, Matt. You won't remember this, like, because you're obviously a big time county player at that age. You were playing for England under se- under 15s at the time, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember. And it was at Loughborough, and I remember this bloke walking out with the biggest swagger of all time. <laughs> like, you must have been caked in Slazenger gear as well. And, uh, I, I I can't remember you. I remember you looking quality, right? But also the first game, you got out your first ball. Scotty Redhead got you out. I don't know if you remember Scott Redhead. He used to play for Durham, Durham Twos. He was a good bowler. But you you did get fifty odd or something in the second game. I remember that. You played two games. Scotland seventeens, didn't it? It was Scotland seventeens. Yeah. yeah, I remember it. But you, you did. I think it was maybe three games because I had a quick look before we came on, right? And <laughs> you did get out to one of the worst part-time off-spinners that you'll ever see. I'm going to give Liam one guess to see who he got out to. I don't reckon you'll know. You'll, you won't remember him, Matt. Maybe you will. Part-time off is, mate. Oh, it's not Scott Galloway. It is Scott Galloway. No way! How have you got that? Have you looked at the scorecard? No, just a guess. <laughs> Scotty Gall. Must have been a hip-high ball that mates has got caught on the... Cow boundary, surely. <laughs> I think it was. Uh, I think it was stumped. I think he ran past it. Ah, fair enough. He's okay. probably game was done. No, I remember that was the very first time I came across you, Matt. And uh, I, I didn't like. I wouldn't say I like followed your career, but you, you always sort of. Did you play England nineteens? Did you get up to that? There was a big hoo ha after though. Before that, because I, I should have, I should have played for the nineteens, but I didn't. Um. So I, I tried to play for Scotland in the Under-19 World Cup after I played for England in the 15s because I wanted to play in the World Cup because I didn't get paid I didn't oh, yeah. before that. But obviously, I couldn't qualify at the time. So after that England under-15 game, um, when I was about 16, 17, I wanted to try and play for Scotland. So I wanted to play more cricket. And yeah, I couldn't qualify. So I remember it. Because then, then Scotland spoke to the ECB. Or the ECB, I think I might have even called the ECB about it. And then I kind of had a, not a falling out, but they were like, look, do you want to play for England or do you want to play for Scotland? And at the time, I was like, well, I have to say England. But yeah, I tried to play for Scotland before that for many years. It's weird that they would be precious over that because you could have played for Scotland under 19s and then played a test match the following week for England. It wouldn't have mattered if you'd played under 19. Yeah, exactly. So I, I wanted to try, at that age, I just wanted to play the best standard possible. And I kind of, absolutely, I kind of was like, look, yes, I can go along the England stuff but ultimately I was like oh, I just want to play a higher standard and I thought Scotland would have from a selfish point of view developed my career quicker and I wanted to play when I was like 16, 17 um, and yeah I couldn't ICC said you can't qualify so I rung up I don't know who I spoke to but I rung up two or three times to try and qualify You wouldn't have got in the team Matt I know. We had Ollie Hares and Freddie Coleman opening in the bat and they were blades back in the day Thanks, <laughs> but it had been an experience <laughs> Absolutely Mate, Su- uh, when you'd obviously gone into the academy, Sussex have gone county champ 03, 06, 07. That must have been a pretty good kind of squad to look up to around about then. Yeah, it was. I mean, we had some fantastic players. We had, yeah, just, just even when you went in and trained like after the pros or just around in, in sort of the environment, you just saw these players like they were proper international England players at the time. So to learn off them and just watch them was just like pretty amazing. 
and I think kind of showed me the way really about how top players sort of train, how they sort of play. Mm. It's really it's great experience at that age, sort of fifteen to eighteen, sort of understanding it. But yeah, Sussex had an amazing side, an amazing era at that point. Yeah, who's all who's all in that side? Obviously, it's like a it's like a four year spell, but who's all who are all the standout players that you can? Hey, Nash, who's now at Knotts. He was dominating. They had Mike Yardy, Luke Wright, yeah. uh, Murray Goodwin, Matt Pryor. Um, they had, at the time, Sac- um, Rana uh, Naveed Hassan, the guy with the... Uh, yeah. They had Mushtaq Ahmed, who took 100 wickets two years in a row, I think. Um, James Kirtley, Jason Lurie. Um, who else? Monty, oh, no, Monty wasn't there at the time. They had some quality, quality players. Just... Players that you look back now and think, geez, they're good players. They'd still they play for England even now, I think, if they were sort of younger. They don't just yeah, yeah, yeah. for the sake of it. They would they would still play and they were led really well by Chris Adams at the time. And now yeah. captain leader. So yeah, just a really good sort of team to look up to. But yeah, it was really good, yeah. Yeah. Who's all in that youth set up with you then? Who so I had myself and Luke Wells. Um, oh, yeah. oh, open yeah. the batting now for Sussex Steel. Ben Brown, who's now Sussex captain, was there. Will Beer, was on the academy. Um, who are the guys who are a bit older than me that played? Um, Danny Briggs, would he be? Uh, he was at Hampshire. He yeah. was then Sussex. That's right, Hampshire. They had um, Ollie Rayner, who's just retired from Middlesex. Andy Hodd, um, Tom Smith, Gloucester Still. Who else is there? Um, I'm trying to think. And Michael Gould. Good players you've rattled off there. He didn't quite get signed, but he's the son of Ian Gould, the umpire. Um, so yeah, we had, oh, yeah. we had some. We had a quality like academy setup. We had a, a good team that I think most of them yeah. went on to play professional cricket in some capacity, whether it's for a couple of years or sort of a bit longer. Was was a proper proper outfit, yeah. Yeah, Ollie Rayner's just retired, has he? Is he? He must be a few years older than you, is he? Yeah, he was. He's four years older than me. Um, so, yeah, he stopped playing over the winter. He retired from Middlesex. Went to Sussex to Middlesex, and yeah, he stopped playing. Quite a good catchment area down there, though, Sussex. Yeah, no, it is, it is a good catchment, catchment area. It's got the, got the most clubs in the, well, in the UK uh, associated to one county board as well. 183 clubs. There's a lot of cricket being. Yeah, it's a good effort getting, getting all the way through the system with that competition. Exactly, yeah. Shows you how good to play so you're still playing club cricket now then? Are you completely finished? Uh, I'm still playing club cricket. I'm not meant to be. I'm, well, I'm not allowed to. Just, uh, I got recommended not to. But I can't, yeah. I can't not. Hey. So, yeah. I've, uh, I was going to say, it's difficult to just stop playing, isn't it? Yeah, I really miss that. I miss the more like the, the team environment, the camaraderie that goes with it. I mainly play for that. Um, yeah, man. It's difficult because when you play cricket in a team environment for so long, then it's just taken a while. You can't do it anymore. So, yeah, I got recommended not to play. But, at the same time, it's for another three or four years. Long time retired. How, yeah. Do you find that you have to like nurse yourself through kind of periods of play, Matt, or do you find that generally with playing less, you're you're okay in terms of pain and things like that? It still hurts. It's still sore. So I literally don't train. I literally go from Saturday to Saturday. I'd strap it up, um, and then it's okay for about fifty or sixty balls, and then it starts getting really sore. And I. It, I kind of give myself sort of a 60, 70 ball limit if I'm being truthful. Um, anything yeah. longer than that, and the next couple of days after, it's really sore. So, yeah, 
I do play quite positively. Is how I'll describe it now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cricket. But yeah, I prefer to play sixty balls or fifty balls every weekend than not play. So um, if I do bat a bit, I do bat a bit longer. Then I just take the pain. It just so like you didn't really get spoken about that much. I didn't think when when you had to retire early up here. There wasn't really that much sort of media about and talking about things like that. So like. What actually happened, Matt? Because you sort of just sort of just disappeared. So I I um, came back from the 2016 World Cup in India, and um, we went pretty much straight into the 2020 season at Sussex. And I remember after before the first game, I played a pull shot and I got a pain in my left wrist, and I didn't think much of it. I just thought I played a lot of cricket; it's a bit sore. Anyway, so I played that 2020. It was at Gloucester on the Friday night, and it was really sore after, and it was reduced game. It was only five over the side. But even in that five period, yeah, my wrist was killing me. So I didn't think anything of it. Played for a few more weeks. Then one evening I was at home and I was on the sofa. My missus looked at my hand and my hand was properly swollen. But I didn't really notice it because I was just sort of used to it. I was just, it's a bit of pain, it'll go. So she said, look, go to the field. Yeah. You need to sort, of sort it out. So I went there and they looked at it the next day and they're like, this isn't good, really. So I had a scan and basically at the time, they just said I had too much tissue from that wear and tear. So they had an operation to clean the inside of it out get rid of all the dead tissue. But 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 that sort of didn't work. So I had a number of steroid injections and that went on for about a year. And then I saw a number of sort of top, I guess, professors or whatever they are, surgeons, and they just said, look, we, there's something really wrong with your wrist, but we don't know what it is. Um, so in my family, there is, uh, my mum's got rheumatoid arthritis and she's about 25, 26. And it, uh, it was yeah. genetic. But they... Didn't, I didn't have anything in my blood system or anything like that to say it is that. So I have retired with something called zero negative reactive arthritis, which basically means there is some sort of arthritis in the wrist. We don't know what it is, but essentially I cannot play. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't even get through one one training session. I couldn't play. Like the next day I play a game and the next day my wrist would be massive. Uh, my wrist just couldn't do it. So uh, it's only recently sort of I've, I wanted to kind of get to the bottom of what it is. So I, so I pay my own money to go see a couple of both said the same thing. They said, look, your wrist structure has just happened through wear and tear. Unfortunately, it's just your sort of genetics. Uh, your inside of your wrist and your left wrist is at the moment someone who's 65. If you were 45, you would have a full wrist replacement. But we can't do that because if you have it early, then you're essentially going to have another. The earliest we could look to do it is at 40. Hopefully by then the technology is better. But in the meantime, we advise you to get the nerves cut on your wrist to stop the pain. That lasts for about 10 years and there's an 80% chance of that working and being successful. Um, so that's kind of why I'm still playing because I was meant to get the nerves cut before COVID happened. But obviously, that's been delayed for obvious reasons. So that's an operation I'm having, um, which is fine. And hopefully that works. So that's why I'm sort of still playing a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's annoying because if it was... If it was sort of um, rheumatoid arthritis, it would have spread to other joints now, but it's only stayed in my yeah. wrist. So, yeah, it's kind of just wear and tear. And unfortunately, the amount I played at a young age up till then, it's just unfortunately the nature of the beast sport. You know, I would love to have played till I was 34, 35, but unfortunately my wrist just couldn't do it. So, yeah, um, it was more for a health decision rather than That's anything else. But, yeah, like... Even when the surgeon said, look, you've got a wrist structure of a 65-year-old, don't reckon you should even be playing club cricket. 
I kind of thought, you know what, that's probably the right decision. To yeah. So what's the what's the other twenty percent? You said it's got an eighty percent oh, chance of success. Yeah. yeah. So if, when they cut the nerves, there's an eighty percent chance that um, the nerves will actually the pain will go away. The pain will go away in my wrist. Yeah. Um, ah. Okay. And then they don't advise sort of doing too much dissimilar to what you're already doing because you can't feel what you're doing really. So therefore, it, yeah, you wouldn't want to do too much damage. Exactly. Ah, that's that's grim. So what age were you when you had to? Twenty six. Twenty six. Oh, twenty six. Yeah, twenty six. Yeah, two thousand sixteen. Twenty six. Yeah. So um, two thousand seventeen. So did you? Twenty six and two thousand seventeen. Blimey. It was like ages ago though. It was like three years ago now. That's what you say. Yeah. So did you? Do you have a plan, sort of thing, off the bat, or did you sort of you feel sorry for yourself for a little bit and then uh, go for it, or what, what, what did you do? I kind of knew. Well, because I was out for about nine months to a year, I kind of. Yeah. When I, before, I, before I even stopped playing, I did some coaching and I quite enjoyed it. So I knew I was going to do some coaching. And then I found I had an interest in sort of property, property development, things like that. So um, got involved in that a little bit. And that's kind of what I did when I stopped playing um, alongside cricket coaching. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. But I don't think anything really prepared. Did you get, did you get your hands dirty? Of course I did. I've got one wrist. Break. <laughs> wrist I can't do any of that. That excuse again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of, but yeah, I kind of knew what I kind of wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I don't think anything can, I don't think anything can prepare you for what life's like after sport, whether you're retired or through injury, or you've just been released, or you know you retired because you've had a good career. The transition for anyone is really hard, and people that say they're fine with it, I don't really tend to believe. I think because because sport is such a yeah. lifestyle. And because you make so many friends and I was lucky enough to travel the world for like you know, six, seven years properly. So then suddenly have that taken away with no structure. It was difficult. I'm not going to lie. And it's probably taken a good two, two and a half, three years to get over it. But it wasn't probably yeah. by sort of the surgeons sort of December, January time that I was like, right, you know what? I gave it the best crack. It is what it is. You know, thankful now for the career I had rather than saying, oh, I wish I could have done this or that. I've got to say you had a cracking career, mate. Yeah. Seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. Matt, looking looking back now, and obviously if you touched on it there, you'd, you have had time to like reflect. Can you see there has been positives out of, obviously, a horrible situation? Yeah, yeah. I think one positive I keep saying to myself is I, I, I was lucky enough to play like over 200 games professionally for Sussex and Scotland, which not a lot of people do. Did that by 25, sure. 26. And the age I retired... I'm lucky now where I can, I'm sort of got ahead of everyone else with the start of a second career because you're a long time retired. So I remember Costa said that to me. He goes, look, you're a long time retired. Because I spoke to him about trying to come back. I was like, look, maybe mm -hmm. surgery you know, works and I see these surgeons, you know, I'm not yeah. able to come back. So I spoke to him last summer about it. He was like, look, you're a mm -hmm. long time retired. So if you can, like, get it done. You know, you might be 29, 30, but, you know, you can still play until you're sort of 35, 36, you know, even 37, really. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, Mate, Scotland only played ten games a year, man. Exactly. So it wouldn't be too much on my wrist. Scud some. Um, so yes, yeah, so like, obviously, look, you're a long time retired, but so, I so I've taken that on board. And yes, I would love to have come back, but at the same time, you know, um, I prefer to have retired at 26 through injury rather than sort of 31, 32, and then being in the position I am now at sort of 35, 36. At least now I can. 
I'm kind of ahead of the curve, I suppose. So I'm looking at it as a positive. Totally. I was I was said that to Hoggy um, beforehand. Obviously, you you speak to people who say you know a, a real coach or the best coaches are players that have been there and done it and seen it. And I suppose you've got that perfect balance of being there, done it and seen it, plus an extra kind of five ten years on any other coach. No, definitely. You know, it, it does help. Like everyone's everyone's going to go through the transition. Um, yeah, like I guess, yeah, I guess I am ahead of the curve slightly, and I kind of, I have been through sort of playing at a good level, and obviously through injury, so I know how people feel when they have to retire through injury or they do get released because it isn't nice. Um, but yeah, like I've got loads of positives. Like playing for Scotland was an amazing experience, going to two World Cups. So yeah, I've got a lot to be proud of and a lot to look back with um, with fond memories. For sure. The the Scottish thing, obviously, you touched on it earlier, Matt, about uh, kind of trying to get in when you were kind of sixteen, seventeen. Um, how did the actual uh, Scots call-up come about? Randomly, I got a text from the Professional Cricket Association, the PCA in England, saying that ICC rules have been relaxed. If you have any Scottish heritage or Scottish connection, get in touch. And essentially, we would like to speak to you. So straight away, I was on the phone saying, da 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 And then I had a meeting with Andy Tennant literally about a month later. And then I went Brilliant. to Poch, Pottestrom in 2012. Yep. October before week training camp and that was how it started so it was quite random Who, uh, Where does the Scots heritage come from in your family? So my mum was born there she lived there till she was 16 and then she moved to oh, Brighton um, so yeah all her side of the family is still up there it's just her immediate family that sort of came down because her dad got a job down here as a butcher so there's no jobs up in yep. Scotland so yeah that's how I qualify um, and that's how yeah so say my mum goes up there a couple of times a year and sees her side of the family and, and yeah, it's just that's how that's how it's qualified, really. On your hug. Hi, what was your like that obviously that tour, what was the first impressions of the boys or the standard? Did you think it was did you see a noticeable drop off from playing county cricket or were you were you sort of maybe even surprised at the standard? Um I was a bit a bit of both really. I was very, very surprised at the standard. It was a better than I was expecting. But at the same time, I was surprised with how, at the time, how <laughs> I how unprofessional it was. Because I think, ah, okay. I think what you what you came to earlier, when I grew up playing in that, well, what looking up to those guys in that Sussex side in sort of the, you know, 2008, 9, 10, 11, before I played for Scotland, it, they were so professional yeah. playing international cricket, those guys coming back. Then when I went to play for Scotland, I was kind of like, wow, these guys are really good. Imagine if they had that sort of... I guess um, the work ethic's not the right word, but that sort of structure and I guess the funding to be able to train like the other guys, how good Scottish cricket could be. And I think we're starting to see that now, really, if I'm honest with you, with them being sort of England yeah. and a few other big teams recently. I mean, going from Sussex, which is like a very professional county, like I don't know if you've sort of experienced other counties, but some other counties are like, are, would have been like Scotland at the time, like very much, almost like, not unprofessional, but not to the same level as Sussex, you know, like you're very like sports science driven and stuff like that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, they were at the time. Yeah, maybe unprofessional is not the wrong word. I think maybe Sussex were ahead of the ahead of the game at the time and that's why they were so Yeah. Yeah, unprofessional is the wrong word. Um but it was yeah, it was a big it was a big um I suppose a little bit sort of a bit of a shock how probably good Sussex were at the time looking back. And that's probably why they serious team, yeah. Because yeah. that that tour, it wasn't just yourself, was it? There was maybe like five or six 
boys who'd qualified the same way who all got brought into that tour at the same time. Yeah, it was. There was about four or five of us that came on. And, um, yeah, no, it was, it was a really good tour just to sort of get to know everyone. But, yeah, it was a, it was a great experience, that one. And, and as I said, yeah, um, just, yeah, loved every minute of it, really. Who did you uh, who did you get room, uh, lumped in a room with uh, on that tour? Can you remember me? Yeah, uh, Flanners. Oh, that's brilliant. Welcome to Scotland. Ryan Flanagan. Are you looking for your Irish passport then, were you? <laughs> must, have a, must have a Dutch granny or something. <laughs> and that was an idea. But to be fair, Flanners is so outgoing and so loud. It was probably the perfect it was probably the perfect roommate for me at the time. Because Definitely. Um, like he properly made me feel welcome and integrated me into the squad and got to know me really quickly and yeah, no, it was it, having someone like that and how his personality was was brilliant for me to get to know everyone quicker. I hope you didn't listen to many of his horse racing tips. Sorry, luckily, <laughs> <laughs> luckily, <laughs> luckily, he wasn't into the horse racing at the time. But um, yeah, a few stories for sure. Ah, right, so it was like Drummle was captain, wasn't he? It was, would have been Pete. Was the Pete and Juddy would have been the assistant coach at the time, was he? Or no, was he away? He just left, I think. Yeah, Juddy had just left. Pete was in charge, and Drummle didn't come on that tour and Costa did it because he was his honeymoon. So I think Preston was captain for the first time. I think that's what happened. All right. Um, so yeah, a couple of the bigger players weren't around, uh, but it was perfect for the likes of myself and a few of the other guys new to the squad. I think it was Leesky's first tour as well. So a few of the newer guys to get to know everyone, which was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was quite like, I guess like a development sort of squad or, or, or however you would call it. But yeah, it was good. It's a good trip. In comparison, um, obviously makes you've, You've kind of gone into that squad and seen how kind of Scott Scottish cricket's operated and I suppose developed over time. What what do you think they need to do? Do you think they need to be pushing for kind of the first class status or do you think some time in the English kind of setup might bring it on again? What 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 do you think they need to do? Yeah, I think there's two options. I think I think when Scotland played in the Pro Forty uh, in the English domestic stuff, I thought that was brilliant for the guys' development and I, yeah. I think I would like to see them do something like that again. I don't think it will happen though because of the whole ICC funding. But if that doesn't happen, yeah, I'd like to see Scotland mirror sort of Ireland's first class structure because I see Scotland now. If I'm looking from a distance, they are kind of where Ireland were when they beat England in the 2009 World Cup in India. I see Scotland sort of seven yeah. years behind Ireland, and I think if they could get more a first-class structure or something like that. I know they've got the regional stuff, but something more official where you can attract, I guess, you know, a couple of overseas players per team just to strengthen it. I think yeah. it's Scottish cricket a world of good. And I really don't think they're too far away from really trying to push that next step and get test status in sort of five or six years. But to do that, you need all the infrastructure as well. So it's going to be a challenge, but I would like to see something like the Irish system implemented for sure. Yeah. I think you think you're spot on there. I I was thinking about this today and I thought I wonder if I wonder if they could be kinda of like shoehorned into the T twenty where it's kinda of like an intensive they kinda of run it over four weeks now, don't they? The group stages of the T twenty in England. That I think that that might be an opportunity to get in, but I suppose it is the risk of losing uh, losing funding. Exactly that. So it's a difficult one because there's not much funding for your associates anyway. So yeah, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. I'd love to see it happen though, because it's moved, it's progressed so much in the last 10, 15 years. I think it just needs to keep, the momentum needs to keep happening, for sure. You spoke earlier, Mitch, about uh, trying to get to a World Cup 
so obviously you've you, you went to two you went to uh, the world cup first in 2015 in new zealand australia um i looked through your stats today and you you did pretty well with the bat in, in kind of all games how did you uh, enjoy your ex- new zealand and australia one of the one of the if not the best creating experience i've had i loved everything about it <clears throat> the from start to finish is one of the best experiences just experience that in australia and new zealand and play against some of the best players um absolutely loved it and and the guys and all the coaches and everyone we went out with just the, everyone involved made it such an enjoyable trip it was just yeah a brilliant experience on very, very lucky to have experienced something like that. And, um, yeah, I remember those memories very fondly for many, many years. So, you got, do you get a 50 against New Zealand? Yeah, first game it was. First game game. Yeah, I remember that. Because they were about... You must have went in and watched about five wickets fall on the other end, did you? Oh, I came in on the hat-trick ball. So, we went... <laughs> yeah, ball in the second over. You got Hamish Gardner out first ball, then Cloudy. And I didn't see any of the wickets because I was in the toilet. <laughs> so... <laughs> so I was running out, putting the helmet on, gloves on. I looked up at the big screen just to see how he got out. Because they had the replays. And he swung. So then the first ball was like, right, it's probably going to swing away. But I prepared myself like it was an in-swinger, just in case he sort of tried to sort of jeep me. But luckily it swung off. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, and then uh, Kyle got out, or Preston got out the other end, I think it was. And we were like, me and Richie, Richie batted six. I think we were like 20 for four. So yeah. It was an eventful start to the World Cup campaign. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching that. <laughs> Shit, here we go. Yeah. yeah. Liam said you had a good World Cup, and you did. But to be yeah. fair, I reckon you could have kicked on. You got a couple of thirties and a forty there. It would have been nice if you uh, went on and made a big one because you definitely could have, couldn't you? more. Looking back now, I don't have a regret of it, but I just think yeah. if I'd been maybe a little bit more selfish and got just one of those scores into. 80 or 100, you look back and just, yeah. what if? But at the same time, I was 23, 24 playing. I was quite naive still, quite inexperienced at that level. Yeah, I, yeah, I do. It's not a regret. I don't have any, I don't have regrets with the cricket, but I wish I'd just been a bit yeah. more, a bit more, do you know what? It's sort of, I'm going to convert. Like that, that game New Zealand, I've got 50, 50 of 80 balls like that, beautifully. And I top-edged a ball with 15 overs to go. I didn't even need to play it. Just, <laughs> and then you look back nah. what happened what if what if but nah yeah I do I completely agree with still, still got World Cup 50 but yeah mate how did you uh, obviously you played against England in the second uh, group game did you did you sing along to both anthems oh I didn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that question might pop up or something along those lines um, <laughs> uh, no I didn't obviously I've got quite a few friends that I played with him against there, so yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't seem to. <laughs> nah, were you get were you getting any uh, extra spray from those boys, or were they were they all right? Uh, not really. They're fine, really. To be fair, they're quite good. I saw. I was having a look through the cards. Obviously, I noticed that you were kind of down the other end for kind of Costa scoring a one five six against Bangladesh. Um, it's kind of quite disappointing to score so many and still lose by six wickets there. Yeah, we took him right to the wire, didn't we? I, but I think I think that's... I mean, I remember Costa's innings there was unbelievable. And I do think that yeah. he is... He is one of the, the main reasons why Scottish cricket has got to where it's got because he's been in that whole period and I think he's been absolutely brilliant for the game. Um, and I think for him to get 1-5-6 was brilliant and then to lose 
on a close game. I think if we were to be in that position, well, Scotland, the guys are to be in that position right now, I think they would win that game. But I don't think we had that killer instinct at the time to get them to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really gutting. And then we came close against Afghanistan as well. Um, yeah. You just think, actually, we could have we could have beat Afghan, we could have beat Bangladesh. We ran New Zealand close in the first game. If we had got 30 or 40, yeah. I think, actually, we might have won three games, three out of six, which is brilliant. But then, yeah, you look back and you ever won a game, it's quite a bit demoralising, but at the same time, we're in an associate country and we're playing against the biggest teams and best teams in the world. Yeah, you did get that, you did get that win, though, in the next World Cup, 2016. I know it wasn't against a full member, but still that first World Cup win against Hong Kong. That was a good yeah. memorable match for yourself. It was, yeah. Bowled got a couple of wickets and got 15 not out. And it was actually turns out to be my last ever game for Scotland as well. So it was quite um Oh man. Yeah, it's quite a nice game that I finished, you know. But on a personal note, getting man of the match and playing well, but more importantly on a team perspective, uh, getting the first win at a World Cup and being, I guess, a, an integral part of that game was just really nice. Now looking back at the time you don't realise it, but looking back now, really, really nice moment. Yeah. Matt, I noticed in the the photo of you getting the man of the match. That was the that was the pink Scotland shirt. Do you still have Do you still have that one? Yep, I have it. I have it at home. I have it framed along with my Brilliant. 2015 blue um, Scotland shirt as well, which is framed, which is nice. Some good stashed the uh, the Scotland kits when you got involved. Maybe not the the Missouri ones, but the Canterbury ones for the World Cups. They were oh, they were decent. I found, I found I didn't realize how much I got. I found a bag the other day of stuff that's hardly been used as well at home. Brilliant. <laughs> Class. Mate, it's good to do you know what's good to hear actually? It's good to hear how uh, proud you are to have pulled on the jersey and actually appeared um yeah. as a Scot as a Scotsman. It's that that's really nice to hear actually. hundred percent. I've got more I've got better mem my cricket career right as a whole, I've got more fonder and prouder moments playing for Scotland than anyone else, without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's been it was one of the best experiences I've had so far playing cricket and being involved in cricket, without a doubt. Yeah. And obviously, you've touched on Costa as well. Uh, kind of the mainstay of the Scotland team, hasn't he been over the last ten years? And uh, he's had a, a class career himself. Obviously, someone that you that you kind of sought for advice as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think um, he's just such a nice guy. He's so he's quite he obviously quite caring. He wants everyone to do well. But I just think he's a really good natural leader. He just gets about his stuff. He just does his own thing. He's got a great cricket brain. He's yeah, I just think he's been integral really. And I think I think as well, if you're looking at it black and white, I think his stats and what he's done for associate cricket, you look at them, I think he averages over 40 in ODI cricket, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Playing like over 60, 70 games over a period of time. So yeah, what he's done for the game is brilliant. And hopefully he can continue that for a few more years. But yeah, I, I speak to him every now and then. Um he was one of the First guys that contacted me after I was eligible and said, oh, you can play now. Because I tried to speak to him beforehand about playing. Because um, I knew him through playing. At, um, I actually went to India with him when I was about 17. I went on a train. Oh, okay. And he was out there. With, he went out there on his own with Durham. Or Durham paid for him to go out or whatever. And I actually got to know him through that. I stayed in contact with him a little bit. And then I said, oh, mate, I can qualify. And he said, brilliant. Um, leave it with me. And then that's how, that's how I kind of got the meeting with him. Um, the um, we have one of the guys, tenors. yeah, tenors. That's it. And with tenors, and that's how it kind of happened, really. So yeah, I've known Costa since I was about seventeen, really. So quite a while now. That's nah, good to hear that. I was going to say, have uh, 
Any memorable uh, nights out over your kind of Scotland years, uh, Nate? Any in particular that that were really good, good, uh, <laughs> good nights out? There's been a few. There's been a few. Obviously, everywhere you go, <clears throat> there's been um, you know a few nights out in different countries. I think probably what I might be remembered for more from the lads is a WhatsApp <laughs> message I put in the wrong group um, in Hong Kong. <laughs> Hong Kong. Uh, Hong, uh, just a, a long version cut short. Hong Kong rained for three weeks. We went out for a few nights, and uh, it was during a game, the last day of the four day. The game was already called off. I put in the wrong group who stayed last night. We had a blinder last night. Question mark, question mark, question mark. And as I sent that message, it's about just five to six, as I sent that message, the management team were going in for a staff meeting. Um, at six o'clock. So, um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, the WhatsApp crew corrupted. I panicked and deleted the message off my phone. You know, on WhatsApp, you can delete it. I said delete yeah. it yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of everyone. So I deleted it off my phone. <laughs> but hadn't managed to delete it off the group in time. So, uh, <laughs> Mari, the physio, she pulled me to one side. And I, 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 I absolutely shit myself. I was like, shit, shit, shit. So I called her. <laughs> I had an absolute nightmare. She's like, look, don't leave it with me. I'll say you're joking. She, she knew what we were up to. Um, but luckily, it didn't really get brought up in the meeting. But a couple of days later, um, a couple of the coaches said, look, we you know obviously this trip's been a bit of a nightmare. But look, come on, rein it in a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were playing um we were, we were flying to Dubai to play sort of two or three T twenty games before the the World Cup um in India. Um but yeah, that's probably one of my most stupidest but funniest moments that lives on. <laughs> Quality. Um did you watch the the two thousand and eighty obviously Scotland winning in, against England at the Greens? Where, did you see any of that game? Or? Yeah, I watched pretty much all of it. I tried to get up, but I couldn't. Um, it's my old man's birthday. But um, yes, I remember it so clearly. I remember I was at my local club. Where was I? My local club watching it um, yep. at the end. And yeah, I remember it. It was what a day it was. I'd love to have been up there. I'd love to have been involved. It was, oh, just looking back now, it still gets played, doesn't it? It's brilliant to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Send a few texts after that one, did you? <laughs> I did, yeah. I sent a few texts to the boys, and and yeah, got a few a few jokes. That I always get, oh, who's supporting you this one? You know what it's like. So um, yeah, and I yeah, couldn't be proud of everyone involved. It's in uh, good to hear, mate. Um, so obviously after you've finished, you've uh, you've done a few coaching gigs, mate. I noticed that you've done uh, stuff with the female stuff, Love for Lightning. Yes, I did. That came through Rob Taylor, actually, another Scottish connection. He's he was head coach there. He was head coach there, and um, just said, look, you're around for the summer. Do you want to come and get involved? Sort of be batting coach and assistant coach there. And um, yeah, it was a great experience, great opportunity and really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Had you had much contact at all with uh, kind of women's cricket up until that point, MH? Do you know what? I didn't have a clue about it. I I, it, I didn't even realise until I got up there that the 30-yard circle is 25 yards and they play with a five-ounce ball, not a five-and-a-half-ounce ball. I didn't know that. I probably should have done. Um, but, yeah, I just thought it was normal. Like, I didn't understand it. Um, but, yeah, the rules are different. The game's played completely differently. Um, 
But yeah, I think actually women's cricket is on the rise. You know, I'm going to be brutally honest. Hundred percent. It is quite boring. It is quite hard to watch. It's not as exciting. But a lot of females struggle. I wasn't. I was impressed with the power of the females, but. They yep. can't hit the ball as hard because there's not the pace from the bowlers. Yeah. Struggle. Yeah. I could throw to them quite quickly with the sidearm and they would whack it and there was power. When it comes to a game and you've got an 18-year-old spinner bowling 40 miles an hour, right? Yeah. Even in men's club cricket, trying to hit someone bowling 40 miles an hour is quite hard. So, um, yeah, it, no, it was a great experience. Great experience. So you're going to go back down and, and do that or back up there and do that this year or next? Well, obviously not this year, but next year. That then led to a job full-time with Loughborough, um, coaching sort of the uni, the men's first-class uni side, the women's side and, and Loughborough. Oh, yeah. But I knocked that on the head sort of January, February 2019. The commute from Brighton for three days a week was just, you know, was too much. Yeah, still yeah. down here. So I was commuting, you know, 4 or 5 a.m. on a Monday morning, getting back late Wednesday. I was condensing a coaching week into three days. And it was just too hard, really. So... Um, yeah, knocked that on the head, and but it was a good experience. So yeah, love it. Love to do something like that again. So then, is that why you started precise on your own, or has that always been in, on in the background? I kind of when I stopped playing, I kind of did it just to do a bit of one for ones out of, and then got the luck for gig. That one faded away, and then you know, I've coached various teams and stuff like that. But yeah, precise has really come back this year because I kind of want to do my own thing for a little bit. Um, and just, yeah, that's how it's kind of come about again. And I really want to try and drive it forward and just grow it. You're doing well on social media. I'm loving the stuff on Instagram and Twitter and things like that. Yeah, so do you know what? I've actually really enjoyed doing that. Like, aside from the cricket, I actually find it, find it really enjoyable doing the social media and editing the clips and looking for it. So it's something that when at the start of lockdown, I was like, right, I kind of need to learn how to do it if I want to take, um, I want to kind of grow it online. And I learned how to sort of yeah. edit through sort of um, uh, Apple and stuff like that, iMovie, and, and went from there, really. And, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And I like putting the stuff out there and interacting with people, really. Yeah, it's yeah. good. You, I don't, are you a golfer, Matt? No, I would love to play golf, but my wrist is a bit sore for that. Ah, fucking hell. So, yeah, I would love to. I was going to say, there's so many guys on YouTube who, who like coaches and stuff like that or just golfers who put so much content on YouTube. And it's, there's not really anyone that does it for cricket. So, no, nah, it's good to see. It could kick off for you. Hopefully it does. Yeah, like, I'm amazed. Like, I always knew social media is powerful and it's powerful for a business. Yeah. Until I actually started putting content up sort of consistently daily, I didn't realise how powerful it is. I now make mm. more sales through Instagram for one-to-one -one coaching than anything else. Kids at my cricket it's easier. who are like under 18, they all are under, I reckon, actually under 21, 22. They message me on Instagram, private message me rather than uh, text me or WhatsApp me about sessions at club level. Yeah. So it's frightening yeah. how powerful it is. Are you going to do any online stuff? Because uh, Liam needs some work. <laughs> I those waist high fullies at least twice and over. I am, yeah. I'm looking to go online sort of September time. Um, and I've got quality. Uh, and I've got a couple of professional players that are going to come on board as sort of ambassadors, um, and we've got some stuff lined up. So I want to, I want to kind of bridge the gap between professional level and um, and a club level because I want to give be able to give people experiences that they may never get or may never have had yet, 
between the professional yeah. and the um, club game because you know club. I didn't realize how much club players love cricket and some of them that's all they live for on a yeah. day. That's what they live for all year round. And I didn't quite understand that a few years ago when I got from a professional environment to a club environment. So that's what I kind of want to do, and that's what I kind of want to bridge the gap on, and hopefully through content and getting various pros on board with different other things, we can really start to bridge that gap. And I think it's quite a bit of a, a market for it as well, actually. Definitely, yeah. What's your Twitter and Instagram handles just for people to have a look on Insta- on social media? At Precise Cricket, simple as. Nice and easy. I know even from just watching them out over the last few weeks, I'm trying to kind of help out a few of the younger players, and I've literally listed what you've been doing. So I've, I've stolen it, mate, but it's... Uh, <laughs> Hopefully you're flat. <laughs> Absolutely fine. You, you nick as much content as you want, and you, it's all good. All good. If it helps, look. If it helps get better and improve the game, then I'm all for it. So, you know, for me, you get a lot of people just say, oh, be selfish with it and like, no, you can't use my content and you can't take my. Thing. Look, there's enough cricketers in the world to go around for every single coach and everyone out there. So, that's my view on it. Absolutely, mate. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be successful in it. I'm sure you will. Mate, I had a conversation with uh, with someone today about the Scottish regional setup, and I said someone like Matty Machen should be up here being a coach or a batting coach or something like that, just sort of in that level, just to bring everything up a little bit. I don't know if that's something you've thought about doing, is it? I'd absolutely love to do something like that because, oh, look, yeah. with precise cricket, I want to grow it and I want to make it quite big. I don't want to be a full-time coach. Like I've openly said, I don't want to be like an assistant coach or or like an, a junior county coach. I want to be able to do my own stuff, what I'm doing now. Yeah. But then I would love to, like on a consultancy basis or, you know, a week, a month or whatever, is be able to come up and just help everyone out and then come back. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel like with the experience I've got now, having coached for three years and my playing experience, I feel like I could offer a lot. Yeah, I would love to get involved with the Scottish setup and the regional stuff, but obviously you just have to. Yeah, it does materialise. Yeah. I think they'll be missing a trick if they don't get you involved in some some sort of. Fingers crossed. It'd be nice to give back. Well, I think yeah, as I said, I feel like I've got a little bit I can give back. So we'll wait and see. Even as a liaison officer for the next tour to Hong Kong. <laughs> I know where to take everyone. That's for sure. <laughs> Brilliant. Superb. What were you going to say there, Liam? Sorry. I just was going to say, like, mate, just hit the nail on the head in terms of that level. And I think that's one of the issues with Scottish cricket is bridging the gap between a really good club player and someone who can actually go on and play professionally. And that, that's that little that little niche that hopefully um, precise, precise cricket can come into. Yeah, definitely. And if you're doing online stuff, Matty, then people in Scotland will be all over that. No, definitely. It'd be nice. We'll have to see what happens. A couple of people have messaged me privately on Insta, on Twitter, but nothing's happened yet. But obviously, you know, people up in Scotland are about four weeks behind the well, England, aren't they? So you guys are just getting back into cricket up there and things like that. So we'll see if anything happens this winter. But if not, then I'll probably give them a call um, during the winter and see if there's anything that could happen. And uh, there's actually another bloke from Sussex just recently moved up to Scotland as well. I wonder if you can describe. Describe him in three words. It's a bloke called Greg Denton. Oh, the groundsman, Greg. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mate, I've had some wild nights out of him. Oh, yes. That's what we want to hear. Mate, he, he, um, yeah, so when I was at Sussex, he was that assistant groundsman. Lovely bloke. 
Yeah. All I remember was just smoking my roll up the whole time. And, um, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, it just like, because Sussex is like, they get everyone involved, like the piss ups. Just like, yeah. He just, just loved it. And really, from what I remember, really nice guy, always chatted to you, always, oh, just a, just a really nice guy. And just had a roll up in his mouth and loved the pint and just enjoyed himself. That's how I remember him. Cool. Perfect. Well, he's just taken a job up in Scotland at a really nice ground. It's uh, in in Perth, and it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a class ground. So, with someone that has experience, he could turn it into a serious ground. Yeah, definitely. He was, he was it's, it's good, to, good, to, good to know he likes a pint. Yeah, pint and a fag, and I think he'd be alright. <laughs> yeah, there's actually there's actually another Greg um, who was at Sussex. He plays at the club that I play at now. A guy called Greg Peel, and he was on the. Sussex ground staff, you must have been, you would have been young, you probably only about 13, 14 or something like that, but he uh, he went down there for a few years, but he's, he's come back up now, now he's a greenkeeper at Carnoustie. No, I don't recognise the name, but I'm sure I might recognise the face if I saw it. He probably looks the same age, he's one of these ones that just doesn't age. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> he was down there, he loved it, he loved it down in Brighton, but came back up the road. Yeah, nice, nice place, Brian. Right, happy days then, I think that's just... Uh, Oh, sorry, unless there was anything else you want to speak about, Matt. Thank you very much for having me on the um, the podcast. I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, brilliant. I look forward to hearing it. It's been a pleasure to speak to you, Matt. You've been top man, mate. Brilliant. Cheers, guys. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, have a great day.